We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Road to Wire NBA podcast. It is Monday, December 5th. Nick Whalen here with the venerable DJ Trainer. Uh, I'm trying to bring up the Basketball Reference birthdays page as we speak, and it's not loading. There must be a ton of big time birthdays today. Uh, so we'll get to those later in the podcast, I guess. But we're going to keep this one pretty brief. We have Chris Fedor of, I hope I'm pronouncing that correct, Fedor, Fedor of Cleveland.com. He's going to be on the podcast tomorrow. We're going to interview him. We're going to talk. A bunch of Cavaliers. Uh, we'll talk a little bit of Cavs on this podcast as well. They've lost three straight all of a sudden. They get a tough game tonight against the Toronto Raptors. We're going to talk a little bit about Steve Kerr, talk about the Clippers, and of course uh, the Mike Conley situation uh, in Memphis. You know, that news breaking last week that he's going to miss several weeks. Uh, so a lot to get to, but we'll try to keep this one fairly brief. Let's start with Kerr. Um, I'll, I'll just I'll let you take it from here, actually, DJ. Okay, yeah, I don't want to touch on it too much because we are a fantasy sports company, not a general NBA. Even though you and I love to talk general NBA, maybe more so than fantasy. 
I'm driving home. I spent a weekend at my grandma's house, and I'm driving home. Yeah. Happy to have you. Yeah, grandma. Uh, by the way, uh, nobody cares because they fast-forwarded because they're just trying to get to the birthday part of the right. podcast. So. No, I, and the page just loaded, so trust me, we'll get to that eventually, <laughs> but continue. Okay, so you know, it's like 7 o'clock this morning. Just want to hear some nice NBA talk. Last night, we had Anthony Davis square off against Russell Westbrook. You know, Lots of things we could be talking about, but instead of talking about X's and O's, about standings that we're going to talk to a little bit about, there is some kind of guy, I don't know who this is on the NBA series channel, breaking down the difference in like what's the main component of marijuana and all this stuff, like breaking like it down. Yeah, chemically. What's <laughs> And that is the last thing I want to talk about, especially on the NBA series channel. I just, I don't care about that. And, and obviously, you know, it, it's awesome that these people have like coaches and players have this pedestal to talk about whatever they want. They've kind of earned that right. I get that. But Man, I just want to talk basketball. And sometimes I feel like whenever a hot button issue like this comes up, everybody's like these longtime vets in the industry are kind of like really quick to talk about it because it's fresh and new to them. When I just want to talk about Russell Westbrook with his fifth straight triple double, that's what I kind of want to get at. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really care about the chemicals and marijuana. And I don't want to hear it on NBA channels and NBA venues. So that's my take on the whole situation. That said, again, they've earned that right. They've earned that pedestal to talk about it. It's just not stuff really that I want want to hear from this particular sector of entertainment or talk talk radio so you don't really care what Kerr's stance is on it um you just don't think it's even something that needs to be discussed that's putting it plainly i suppose and that's a topic that's going around as well so we're talking like we're kind of like third party looking at this whole little bubble of the talk and saying is this something that should even be talked about again i understand it's going to be talked about because people care what they have to say but you're right i think to put it plainly i don't really care what their stances are on anything besides basketball Mm -hmm. and i don't think that's too wild to say out loud and to admit i really only want to know what steve kerr has to say about basketball i know some other people care about it lots of other things he has to say and other players but that's just not me i want i want to talk about basketball mm-hmm. yeah i uh i think generally i agree with you i think most people probably do um you know steve kerr is paid and is a professional in the field of coaching basketball not of marijuana reform uh but at the same time i think i think it's interesting that he felt comfortable to come out and say that um you know i i think it's it's certainly it's an interesting stance because like if Michael Beasley came out and said, yeah, I, I smoked weed a couple of times when I was in college or when I was a rookie, like, it would just be like, uh, yeah, duh. But like Steve Kerr is Steve Kerr, you know, <laughs> like it's, I think it's interesting that someone in his perspective with his reputation, like not that I'm in any position to judge Steve Kerr. I don't know Steve Kerr at all, but like, it's more of a bombshell from for him. Right, to do it's it. just like, he's not someone that you would necessarily associate with marijuana in any respect. And then for him to feel comfortable saying that it's kind of like, Oh, okay. Like, I, I mean, you respect a guy like Steve Kerr's opinion on something like this. He's someone who's spoken out of, uh, against or in favor or against, you know, other causes in the past. And he's, he's certainly very well spoken. And I think it's, you know, it, it, the fact that it's Steve Kerr saying it, I think is what makes it a story because it kind of surprised a lot of people. And, you know, it shouldn't because one, he lives in California. Like nothing he did is illegal as far as I'm concerned. Uh, is it? I don't. I don't think. I don't know. Much I about think it's laws. like it's it's currently in process. But again, I could right. like, I could no, care less. That's not, honestly, nobody's, nobody's saying like prosecute Steve Kerr. Like that, that's not the issue here at all. It's just it's just interesting because it's Steve Kerr saying it and not someone who you necessarily expect it from or who has been pegged or suspended for sure. the use of of that kind of stuff. So maybe here's where I'm really like I guess in like in passing, if he says that, great. But what we're seeing now is him reaction. He him reacting to the reaction 
of what he said before. And like, it's like, how many layers of this do we have to go through before we can just talk about basketball? Mm-hmm. Like, can we just cut this off a little bit earlier than it is, it is right now? So the reaction, his reaction to the reaction, come on. I mean, let's just move on already. We, we know right. what he thinks. Let's move on and let's talk about basketball. All right. Well, let's do just that. Um, the Warriors lost last week. We won't talk too much about that. That was on Thursday. Like, Great game. I think that'll be the game of the year. That was a really, really good game. I was so worn out on, on Thursday night, and I, I willed myself to stay up uh, for that entire game, and I'm glad I did because that was, like you said, one of the probably top three or four games of the year uh, so far, and it'll probably stand uh, as the season continues. But every Warriors loss is an event now. Um, and I didn't think Golden State necessarily played that badly. I thought Houston played really well, uh, and it was interesting to me that Houston showed you can beat Golden State playing their style. You know, we've seen an opening night when Golden State lost to San Antonio, and you know, we'll preface this with it was opening night, and these guys had never really played a real game together, etc. The Spurs beat them at Spurs basketball. They held the Warriors to, I think, exactly 100 points. This is a team that averages closer to 120 than 100. Um, you know, now 20 games into the year. The Spurs beat them using the Spurs style. The Cavaliers in the finals beat them using the Cavaliers style for the most part, slowing things down, controlling each possession. The Rockets just played, well, they played their own style, but their style is so similar to Golden State's that it kind of showed, like, you know, you you don't have to have Durant, Curry, Thompson, and Draymond to beat this team at their own game. And, you know, could the Rockets do that four times in seven games? Probably not. You know, I don't think they would take more than two games at the most from Golden State, but you know, in a small one game sample like this, Golden State can be beaten. Yeah. And that's, that's the question I was asking myself after the game. Like, is this the one out of 10 games that this would have happened? Is this like two out of three, three out of 10? Are we getting, well, are we getting towards four out of seven? I don't think we well, quite are, but it, like you said, like I was expecting a Spurs team to do this, like out rebound them, protect the rim mm-hmm. with Gasol and Aldridge, not a team that was just going to run and gun with the best of them and, and do it better than they did. One thing right. I do one the best thing that I think was awesome is that we're talking about this Houston team. It's like, well, you know, they just can't get it done with Nene. Clint Capella's not there. And down the stretch, they were using using uh, Sam Decker and Montrez Harrell as kind of like a pseudo four and five with Ryan Anderson. Mm-hmm. And I love that those second year players stepped up, played Nene huge didn't even minutes. Play in right. Yeah. That's the thing is like, no, we don't need Nene. We've got some mm-hmm. young guys stepping up on a, on a budding team. Um, and yeah. So for those reasons, I thought it was awesome. I loved yeah. it. I, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Sam Decker starting to play really well. And then the other thing is like, I mean, Golden State didn't play all that well. They, you know, they only shot forty-one percent. They were twelve of forty-four from three. That these are so many things have to happen for Golden State to lose a game. And you know, shooting poorly from the field is number one among those things. But I mean, you still got thirty-nine and thirteen from Durant. You almost, you know, you're an assist short of a twenty-fifteen-ten triple-double from Draymond. And you know, this went into double overtime, so those counting stats are a little bit skewed, certainly. Uh, but you know, I, Curry and Thompson struggled from downtown. Durant struggled from downtown, but. You look on the other side, and when you when you expect a team to beat Golden State at home, you would think, oh, they must have just gotten really hot from three. No, I mean, the, the Rockets were 14 of 44. Golden State was 12 of 44. Uh, neither team shot it that well. The Rockets weren't hot. Harden was off all night. I mean, he was getting to the line well, but 2 of 11 from three, turned it over seven times. Like It, it kind of surprised me that Houston played its like B game and still was able to beat Golden State, which maybe played its C-plus game. So here's another interesting part that I was, you know, the center thing was awesome with Harrell and Decker, the power forward center thing. The other thing is that uh, Gordon, uh, Eric Gordon ended up playing like at the end of the game and both of the overtimes yep. instead of Patrick Beverly. When you think of what does Houston have to do to beat the Warriors and immediately you kind of say, well, you, you, 
you know Harden has to ball out. Like, that's a given. And then the second thing that you kind of go to is, well, Beverly has to play shutdown defense on Curry. And he wasn't even on the court. Mm-hmm. And Houston won. So it's just kind of awesome to just completely turn a world upside down and say, oh, wow, this team that's been kind of lingering here, here's a completely different way. And here's a new perspective on how to beat the Warriors that we didn't even really think of to begin with. I mean, if you were going to say Beverly was on the bench and then you'd have Decker playing massive minutes and then Harold playing massive minutes in the second overtime time i mean come on that we we weren't even imagining that scenario happening right and and again you know it's it's one game curry fouled out draymond ended up fouling out of this game um but but at the same time i I, this this beverly point that you just made i think kind of does go back to the fact that houston played its own game they were confident in how they wanted to run it you know like like you said common common belief would dictate that you need beverly out beverly out there chasing around curry and chasing around thompson and you know, Eric Gordon is not a bad defender. He's not a good defender, but you know they feel comfortable about him being out there. And, and certainly, he's a better shooter and a little bit better of a half court playmaker uh, than Patrick Beverly. And and it worked out for him. So huge win for the Rockets. Um, surprising loss, I guess, for the Warriors. But every loss at this point uh, to non Cleveland and non San Antonio, and and I guess maybe the Clippers at this point. Uh, any loss to a team that isn't one of those three is going to be surprising. Yeah, most definitely. And Gordon just knocked down shots. I think Anderson and Gordon really played a key role, maybe not so much over the course of the whole game, but the last five minutes of regulation, first overtime, second overtime. And those were the ancillary pieces that were kind of like, you know, this is what's been holding Harden back, is that you need a couple, you know, plus guys on offense Mm -hmm. to help him out at least. And that's what they have right now. It's really, really exciting. Not to mention I have an awesome bet right now who will finish high or the Rockets or the Timberwolves with our own James Anderson. And would you declare me the winner of that bet right now today? No. Who will, no? No. I mean, really? obviously, like the standings say you're 13, in, you're in 13 and 7 right compared to 6 and 14. Not to mention that the Rockets are coming off a win over the Warriors and the Timberwolves. Oh, yeah, they're still a really young team with a new coach. Not going to give it to me. I'm, no, not quite yet. Okay. Uh, if you're, I'll give you another month. You know, I, I still think the Timberwolves have underachieved more than any other team. Uh, I don't think the Rockets have necessarily overachieved, but you know, I, I think they've won a few that probably could have gone either way. Um, and credit goes to them for those. Uh, I'm just you know, not ready to declare it yet. I mean, if 90% chance Houston finishes with more wins. I, I, I was with you the whole way on that bet. I think it was a smart bet. You were. You were, you were. But I also don't think the Timberwolves are you know a 30 win percentage team right now you know as they are right now will they be in a month we'll see um james and i actually talked a lot on on thursday's pod about you know potential deals for the timberwolves like what kind of timeline are they on right now he really likes and we'll you know we'll keep this quick because we did talk quite a bit about it on thursday he really likes the idea of flipping wiggins for paul george wow okay i was not expecting you to go that route obviously i didn't listen to that pod um obviously obviously not <laughs> and i didn't even care to talk about it after uh we i think i mean yeah that's i mean it's a guy that we're still waiting to play better on defensively paul george by the way still one of the best defensive players in the nba he's taken a lot of knocks because of draymond's come on of late because Kawhi leonard has come on of late but he's still in that top five discussion um and in terms of two-way players if we want to talk about it like that i mean he's right right up there mm-hmm. um so uh, yeah that i mean that's a no-brainer to me 
that, that's that's if you're the wolves or no? For, <laughs> excuse me. The no, wolves get way size. better if you if you trade Paul George with we. Paul George is one of the best players in the NBA. Right. Wiggins is a young guy that can score, and that's about else. And, and that and that's about it. And by the way, he die he decides to do that like once and a half every three games. Right. It's, it's not like he's going out there and putting up the similar offensive numbers as George. And he sure as heck is not as good of a defender. I mean, as Wiggins George is averaging is. more points, I believe, than George is on the season. I mean, Paul George has not had a great. First Do you think games? that's close? I don't think it's even close. I th- well, I think it's not even close. for this year, but for like the next five years, it's well, not even close to me. Wiggins is twenty-one, George is twenty-six. That's why it's close. Um, and both players are uncertain or on similar situations contract-wise. Wiggins, um, you know, they need to make a decision next year or probably after this season about his extension. Obviously, they offer him, you know, the basically whatever the maximum is. Like he'll probably sign a Giannis type of deal. There's really no precedent going back, you know, to like two thousand. Like no star rookie or even like you know pretty successful rookie doesn't resign like it's just not a thing because mm-hmm. you know the, the security of being able to ink it early and etc yeah um with with george the thing is like minnesota is minnesota you know from a location standpoint like if you bring in paul george what are the odds you can resign him he's an la he's guy in, in, yeah but know. he's been in indiana for so yeah, long but he's, like, he's on the, he's on like what wiggins would be on in two years you know like he signed that early max. george george wants to win if, right. if he's going to be with a team that has a chance to win the title over the next five years over the duration of his next contract i think he's gonna he's gonna weigh that and i think he probably has a lot of respect mm, for tibbs the coach that he's been playing against and with the uh, yeah team usa well that's what i that's basically the point i made to james is does paul george want you know, does he want to have his own team, quote unquote, or does he want to win? And like, I think, you know, and this is so hypothetical and, you know, probably and almost certainly will not happen. But I think he's if he's at that point in his career where he values winning over anything else, like, then, of course, you have to think about this. And you kind of hope that's the first thing that players think about. Right. I mean, I know it's not all players. Uh, somebody like Luol Deng is going to take the money right now and run in mm-hmm. L.A. That, that makes sense to me. But somebody like Paul George, uh, he's a really good player. But if he wants to ever cement himself as one of the better players ever to play, mm-hmm. this is the type of move he would need to make. Here's another trade that I, I posed to you, and it was received pretty well on Twitter. Um I think somebody bringing in somebody like an Otto Porter to the Timberwolves makes a lot of sense, and here's why. Because you shift Wiggins to shooting guard, and for the most part, the opposing shooting guards he's going to be facing, it's a better matchup on defense. Porter is probably like right even on offense for you if anything he might be verging towards a plus as he gets older on defense he's definitely a plus I like that and it's just like a kind of a small tweak you don't need to bring in a massive player to maybe make this lineup a lot work a lot more uh move Levine to the bench we know he can score off the bench he can play that hybrid point guard shooting guard if you want him to and then you're not really trying to fit him into a box of just playing a shooting guard or just playing a point guard and then of course I have Rubio going out elsewhere and then John Wall going to like the Kings and stuff like that to make it happen. Uh, but I think if you're the Timberwolves, you're not trying to necessarily add a huge piece. Um, and you can either do that by trading away Rubio and getting back like a middle piece, or you're just going to stink this year. So like the draft pick you get coming in, fill a hole where you think you need to fill it and go there. Or they could trade this pick and get a proven commodity like a Porter. I would rather go that route because you know they're going to be decent because you've got, you know, Levine, Wiggins, Dang, and Towns. They're solid. They're good. And so I'd rather bring an improving commodity than roll the dice with a nice high draft pick this year i don't know what are your thoughts i don't think that you need to bring in a paul george to be successful over the next five to six years is essentially my point if you're the timberwolves Timberwolves. yeah Yeah. no i mean i think it just it depends what timeline they're on you know if if bringing in tibbs and 
you know, that, that, that kind of, to me was somewhat of a symbolic, all right, we're, you know, we're no longer in, in the beta phase here. We want to get going. You know, I think this team, even next year is probably, you know, maybe you take, you take a little bit of a step back this year, but it's hard to say that this team wouldn't get better next year. No, they don't. They're in a great spot. I mean, they're, they're in a position where when you have the ability to bring in Paul George potentially, and like not even have to use your best asset to get him in towns, like that means you're doing all right. I mean, you'd still, you have Levine as a chip if you want him, you know, Gorgie Jang is still there. Shabazz is probably appealing to a team or two. Like the Wolves are in a, are in a very good spot. They don't have to do anything. It's just a matter of what management sees as their timeline. You know, like did they, if they're fine with this being another developmental year, you add another top seven pick. Sure. Fine. Uh, so last thing, and then I want to pose a question to you. Um, I, I think Larry Bird may have been on record or it's kind of leaked out there that he's just kind of ride or die with Paul George. Yeah. We'll see if he resigns or not, but he's not really looking to move him or anything like that. So we'll see if that ultimately is true or not. You never know. A, a deal could come across where he's like, well, you know what? This could set us up in the future. What's more fun as an NBA fan? John Wall going to Sacramento and playing alongside Boogie or Boogie going anywhere else, pick your own destination? The John Wall to Sacramento thing is by far the most fun. I just don't know how they would get it done. Like the Kings can't trade any of their picks based on, you know, there's the rule that you can't trade two in a row. Like they can't even make any draft pick trades until like 2021. Um, and like that, that's to say that they could, they could make a trade. They would just, you know, the pick that they would include would have to be like 2021. And like what team wants to wait that long? I don't know. Uh, so I don't think it's feasible, but that's the most fun scenario. Yeah, that one trade that I threw at you and I put on Twitter, it's a three-team deal, and that seems like maybe they could gain a slight advantage somewhere because you have Rudy Gay to work with if you get a team in the mix that really does value him. And then obviously you'd need to part with somebody like a Willie Cauley-Stein who still has a little bit of value. You're kind of down on him, and I think the league rightly so is as well. But there's a team out there that views him as potentially their their starting center moving forward in a center-less league. Mm -hmm. Well, the thing is, I mean, Sacramento keeps, but with every passing week, you know, DeMarcus Cousins gets less valuable because the contract is ticking down. And then you have things like what happened last night. He's on, he's on video openly talking about giving someone a haymaker and like, you know, looking like he hurt his hand doing it. Like if you're, if you're a rival executive, you're saying like, why would I give you star player X for this guy who is on TMZ at three in the morning in New York city? Like, it's all starting to add up and like I generally defend DeMarcus Cousins and I I still think he's a, a fine man and a fine player fine man uh who you can comfortably bring into your team and he's not like you're not gonna just things aren't gonna implode you know he's not he's not Ron Artest he's not and not that Ron Ron Artest is a bad guy but he's not like that level of kind of you know crazy peak, peak like oh five our tests like yeah. it's not like that well cousins has um, kind of like walked the line but you know right. what for the most part he stayed on the right side of that line he's he's <laughs> he might just be bored I think if man. he was in any other organization we would have totally forgotten about all this stuff like the reason that everyone thinks he's his head case is because he's constantly getting asked about his wildly incompetent organization like there, there wouldn't even be these questions about, oh, well, you know, right. he, he doesn't like the coach. He doesn't like the GM. Like, the reason that those are all questions is because the coaches are terrible. The GMs make ridiculous moves. Like, he wouldn't yeah. have to even be in these situations if he was 
with any other organization. Basketball hell, as he allegedly put it right. when George, to George Carl or, or somebody yeah. like that. So, no, that makes sense. I mean, like he's in a situation that's going to take anybody off that has right. to. It's been a wasteland for NBA players, and he's been stuck there with all this talent that's just tick, 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 passing away. So why wouldn't he be on edge? He yeah. might just be bored, man. Like he's just way better than all of his teammates. He's got nothing really to play for. Um, and Yeah, I mean, it's going to set anybody on edge. I, but I, think, I, th- I think John Wall is kind of in that same situation. Yes, he, no. He, at least he views it as that. Right. And I think Cousins got a little bit energized by Rondo coming to the team yeah. last year. You know, another guy that's going to play hard and be a ride and die with you uh, throughout, like, just a rugged 82-game season. I I mean, just give Cousins something to live for out there in Sacramento. Give Wall. I would love to see those guys just, just go at it. I mean, it'd be them against the world, and it would be awesome. Yeah, that would be that, – that again, that's the most fun scenario for sure. Uh, so Cleveland has lost three straight. They get Toronto tonight. Um, you know, Toronto's looking good. They're they're the hottest team certainly right now in the Eastern Conference. The Hawks have fallen off the map right now. Uh, they've lost nine out of ten. But these are the two best teams in the East. These were the two best teams in the East last year. These were the two best teams in the East. Uh, well, actually, no, Atlanta two years ago was was the best team in the East. But um, these for the last two years, it's been Cleveland and Toronto, and here we are again. Uh, you know, the East is kind of starting to shape up and, and look maybe more like we thought it would. Um, I think Toronto probably wins tonight. I think they're they have the momentum. Cleveland's just looked broken these last three games. Two of those losses were blowout losses that they lose uh, in Chicago on Friday in a game that that was close, but it was really controlled throughout uh, by the Chicago Bulls. And you know the Raptors now come in winners of six in a row. Does it matter for Cleveland at all what happens in this game? Like, no, right? No, it doesn't. It, it matters exponentially more to Toronto, and it has right. over the last few seasons. I mean, they get up for a game like this, and Cleveland is just you know just swatting right. away at the flies that, that think this game is a big deal. Here's the thing for me. I've said it in the preseason. I said it a couple days ago. I'll say it today, and I'll say it tomorrow, and I can't wait to ask Chris tomorrow about it. The biggest challenge with this Cleveland team is just boredom. Like They have yep. nothing to play for. Let's be honest. They've got the championship rings. They're going to glide through the playoffs until they I mean they just are like their own motivation is their biggest weakness right now and who really can blame them I mean let's be honest it's a long season it's winter now they live in Cleveland they play a lot of games in the cold Midwest it's hard to mentally get up you don't feel like it's that us against everybody else personality that potentially Mm -hmm. you know like Wall and Cousins would have or or bat or poor teams and Toronto has a whole Canadian things against everybody else and then like Raptors aren't getting enough love they have a lot to play for and a lot of stuff to motivate them the Cavaliers just have nothing and if anything they have to conjure it up themselves it's just a lot of boredom man and and the fact that they lost three games i personally i just think it means absolutely nothing because we go through this every year do we not and then like lebron rallies the troops and just in time they get hot and they're they're the best team in the nba second best team in the nba and they glide into the playoffs just fine until you know until the playoffs come around you you're just gonna have a, a bunch of people making up nonsense and pretending like it's a big deal and it's just not at all yeah, I agree. I think I think the Cavaliers kind of see Toronto as as their little brother in some ways, you know. And maybe it's, it's just maybe even lesser than a little like brother. They get out there and like you know, Lowry, DeRozan are going hard, and Terrence Ross is going hard, and like you, you almost can see it on the looks on the Cavs' faces. They're just like, 
What? Really? No. You little, really care this much about this game? Little brother would be Paul George and the Pacers a couple years ago when they actually posed a, like a small threat to toppling them the, a couple games a series. was better than this Toronto team. In terms right, of exactly. The, I mean, they, they actually they had Miami on the ropes like twice. Yeah. No, they were good. No, I mean, remember when Paul George and LeBron slapped hands moved, no. going into the fourth quarter? Like that was a battle that they I were enjoying. I don't think anyone on the Cavaliers, including LeBron, respects anyone on the Raptors the way that that team respected Paul George. Exactly. Exactly right. And you know what's funny? I've been thinking about this, that question that uh, Nate Duncan posed on his podcast. I think it was like an ask it, uh, like some kind of Reddit question, something like that about who will be the best player on the next team to win the Eastern Conference that does not have LeBron James and how quick everyone is to answer Giannis, how quick everybody is to say Porzingis or whoever gets traded to Boston. Um, I was saying the Raptor guys, but that answer for a very long time was Paul George and nobody even, out of everybody I asked, nobody even said his name once. It's kind of amazing how far, Mm -hmm. how quickly that changed. They got off, the, the Pacers got off to a slow start and I think a lot of people just kind of wrote them off as, oh, you know, they shouldn't have, shouldn't have got rid of Vogel. This roster doesn't really fit. It seems like a fantasy roster, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but Paul George is really talented, and the Eastern Conference as a whole isn't quite so talented, and I think he's probably enough, you know, to – I mean, he's going to keep this team at, like, 500 at the worst, and, you know, there's enough talent, I think, there that once they once they coalesce a little bit more, uh, they, they probably move into the playoff picture. Um, we have we have a lot of listeners from Toronto. Like you, you can actually break it down city by city. Of course, you got New York and L.A. Toronto is a top five city. I didn't know you could do that. This is great. Yeah, advanced fantastic. analytics. What is one thing that would lead to you saying, "Ah, this is potentially a different year than it has been the last couple of years"? Like, for, what's what's for Toronto? For oh, Toronto advancing well, DeRozan, in the playoffs? Right? Uh, yeah, I mean, no, DeRozan that's why I'm asking. Playing, DeRozan's been very good the last couple of years. I, I believe he's been an All Star at least each of the last two years. I mean, the, he's taken it to a complete, uh, you know, a completely different level that I don't know that I and a lot of people knew he had. You know, I think, mm-hmm. I think the belief is that DeRozan had topped out. He was really good. He was, you know, on pace, you know, to be one of the top three players in Raptors history. And uh, I mean, now he's playing the best basketball of his career, bar none. And it's not like they got housed, you know, in this against the Cavaliers last year. It was a six-game series. They they fell behind early, and you know it was it was over. In retrospect, it was over before it started. But you know, if DeRozan's playing in that series like he is now, it probably goes seven, and the Cavs aren't as comfortable with their win as they were. So I don't know. I mean, I still it's still going to take Toronto beating Cleveland in a playoff series for anyone to give them a chance. Yes. Like they could. I mean, wasn't it with the Miami series or the Miami team? I think LeBron's final year or the year before, they lost to Brooklyn like four or five times during the regular season, and they ended up meeting in the second round, and everybody was like, I don't know. (laughs) Brooklyn's got these guys figured out. Swept them. It was no problem. Like Until the the Raptors – like the Raptors could win eight games in a row over the Cavaliers, uh, and they don't even play eight times in a a season. But they they could sweep the season series, and it wouldn't matter. Yeah, I know, and that's a sad part because I would love to see the Cavaliers challenge before they get to the finals. Um, and, and here's the thing for me. You can go with DeRose, and that's a bright spot, the, the kind of like a new thing to look forward to in a potential Eastern Conference mm-hmm. Finals matchup. For me, there's just nothing there right now. Like last year, it was Damari Carroll. We, we've brought over this guy that was seemingly the glue, the success to the Atlanta Hawks playing way mm-hmm. above their heads, right? He deals with a bunch of leg issues, and then even when he's playing, it's like, oh, yeah, he is just Damari Carroll who's been in this right. league 
league for a long time. It was just kind of a blip of a year. I'm still waiting for a trade or something to happen for right. me to say this is the new thing. And why wouldn't you just go for it? Like I know Simon Gira, this isn't like the team that he would construct if it was just a blank pace, piece of paper. That said, like this is pretty darn close. Like even if you did try, like this is like the amount of wins they're getting should be pretty close mm-hmm. to whatever he has pictured in his head for the future Toronto Raptors. So why not go out there and get a power forward? Right. I, I mean, I know well, a lot of people are talking like you know you can throw out Kenneth Freed and all mm-hmm. that stuff, but we really need like a legitimate piece. And why wouldn't you just do it? Just like go right. over the luxury tax, do everything. You're very close. You're super yep. close right now. No, I agree. I, and I think you know signing they maybe were hesitant in the past because they didn't know what the future was with Lowry and. Rose and right, Lowry, right. Lowry's you know still up in the air long term but now that DeRozan's here like that's your core like your core I could understand last year not wanting to mortgage anything for a mm-hmm. one-year run when you might lose DeRozan and all of a sudden you're kind of going all in for a year and maybe it doesn't work out and you're in a bad spot like now you gotta I think you gotta go for it um the thing is like it's not like they have a Wiggins or, a, or like a Levine sitting there where you're like oh, do we trade this guy for a veteran like you don't have that like what's the risk here like you're not trading Lowry you're not trading DeRozan like who else on this team do you like really worry about like in five years you're gonna look back and think, Wow, we shouldn't have traded that guy. He got really good. Like, I don't know. And the other thing about that is the fact that you don't have one of those assets means it does make it a little bit tougher to bring in like a big time impact guy. I mean, I think you you're in the position where you mortgage your future to just go for it this but year like, or next who year. Who is that guy? You know? I know, like, I know what you're saying. I like the funny thing is that like Patrick Patterson has actually been very good for right. them in terms of plus minus, in terms of efficiency, yeah. and so actually bringing in somebody else who's a plus on offense and maybe an even is the term even. I don't know. I don't even think really they like either a, say like plus a, or like minus between a plus or a minus. No, yeah. No. Nobody says that, but you know what I mean. Like, if you bring somebody else who's actually more skilled offensively, then it might actually disrupt the lineup they have going mm-hmm. on right now. So you're stuck. You're stuck between a rock and a hard place between right. bringing in like a higher named guy, but actually potentially mm-hmm. ruining the success that you've created. So. Obviously, they're in a tough position, but I don't know why you wouldn't just mortgage your future because it's just so hard right. to get where they are right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. At some point, you, you kind of got to stop running it back with the same. Uh, with the same crew. All right, well, we got to wrap this up uh, quickly. Birthdays for today. Yeah. Don't, don't you dare think yes, I forgot yes, about yes. that. Uh, I'll just go through. Okay, there's a few <laughs> highlights. Three, three that really stand out. One, Josh Smith. Wow. Uh, technically still active. Um, and the thing is, like, usually I get reminded of these birthdays every day because you know we follow all the team accounts on Twitter and they're always on top of that. Like Josh Smith isn't on a team, so nobody wished him happy birthday. Uh, Eddie Curry. Yeah. Born in 1982, so that makes him. 34 is that it what was the year 82 not that it matters um 34. yeah it's gonna make him 34 I thought he was older than that all right yeah. good for eddie uh and then we got hoot gibson i don't know who that is <laughs> yeah, you um, said it like i was supposed to know who that is he uh <laughs> he passed away in 1958 uh but anyone oh. named hoot definitely gets a shout out uh, on the podcast looks like he played for boston and some team that's abbreviated w-a-t oh the of course the waterloo hawks yeah and hoot gibson apparently was also an american rodeo champion and a pioneer cowboy film actor director and producer i hope these are all the same guy and there can't be that many hoot gibsons out there could they? apparently there's a few all right let's wrap this up chris fedor cleveland.com joins us tomorrow should be a fun one uh so we'll talk tuesday Place with the helpful hardware folks.
At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.